Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad that we're having this time together. I hope you had a great weekend. And here we are Monday. I love Mondays. I love Mondays for a lot of reasons. I love uh, getting the week started, getting back to talk to you and be with you. And I'm looking forward to uh, sharing some amazing (laughs) guests I have uh, with you today. uh, We're going to do a little extended version today of the Monday Afternoon Mix. I've given Patrick Albanese the day off because he's had a little emergency come up. So if we could just pray for him, that'd be great. He's fine. Uh, There's just a little situation he's taking care of right now. And so we uh, are going to extend the Monday afternoon mix for a full hour. And it's perfect because Pastor David Miles has brought in a special guest today. So in God's providence, it always works out great. You know, it always does. So I'm always glad to start uh, with a passage right from Psalm 62. This was a verse that came into my uh, Bible study this morning. 62.5 says, my expectations are from him. And I love that. And I'm always glad to get the Monday afternoon mix started. A little early today, Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Welcome to both of you. Hey there, Bill. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm kind of excited. We got a special guest. And David, I'm going to give you the honor of introducing him. Do it well, my brother. Do it well. Well, I had the joy of meeting our guest here during my times at... Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, and met, met him, I believe, probably first, maybe in the famed White Horse uh, Cafe, which is well known to Trinity for just its theological center of understanding, and and just <laughs> which means students get food and really spend a lot of time talking. Right. Um, but it's really a joy for me today to have Wayne Stapleton, who's a friend of mine, pastor, classmate, and he is the North American Baptist Conference VP of Cross-Cultural Engagement and Emerging Leader Engagement, and, um, you know, seriously, godly brother and brilliant. Um, mm. I, I uh, you know, I, I like to say that Cornell, I, I say uh, Wayne looks a little bit like Cornell West, but he just has a, a bigger mind and, and, and a more godly platform, and so... And, and less hair. And less hair, <laughs> and less, yeah, mm. definitely less hair, so... Definitely. So it's a joy to have you here today, Wayne, and so glad for you to be in studio with us. It's just, it's a blessing, a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, really, thank you. Really, thank you, David. Glad and Bill. to have you here with us. Yeah, Wayne. Yeah. So you have some background. So you used to pastor. I did. Where at? So um, I, after I graduated from Trinity in 2007, I had uh, uh, four years when I was an associate at a church called Grace Community Church on the east side of Detroit, um, multiracial church, multi-ethnic, multi a lot of stuff. Um, so that was a great experience. I was over small groups, men's ministry, um, started a marriage ministry, started divorce care, taught uh, a midweek Bible study as well. And four years in, I uh, felt like it was time for me to lead a church. So I went to the, my pastor's office and I said, I think it's time. Uh, as it turns out, there was a church in our conference that was really teetering on the brink of closing. 
their pastor had left a few months before, and they were down to 21 total people, you know, adults mm. and children, probably six or seven, eight maybe committed leaders. And so he said, why don't you check out Renewal? So I went over there, um, preached a couple sermons, um, conversations took place, and <clears throat> I decided it was time for me to take that role, um, went over there, and I want to say 30 to 40 at least people came from Grace with me to Renewal Church. Mm-hmm. And so I was there for the past, I've been there for the, was there for the past nine years. Mm-hmm. Down last and Wayne, where did you grow up? I grew up in Detroit. I'm a lifelong Detroiter. Born okay. and raised in Detroit. Went to college at the University of Michigan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you feel horrible about the Lions, which everyone does, and you can sympathize with us as Viking fans how yes. we're equally disappointed all the time. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing I say. Here's the thing I say. I got two things for you. Two things all for right. you. Okay. Th- thing one is, as mm-hmm. growing up in Detroit, because I was bored in the postseason because I didn't have anybody to root for, I, <laughs> I, I adopted... Fran Tarkenton and Chuck Foreman nice. and Sammy nice. White. You did. I had the Purple People Eaters. I adopted the Vikings. When I was a little boy, I had a Vikings coat, a Vikings wow. light switch, a Vikings waste basket. I had, I was I was all about the Vikings. Love the Vikings. Okay, this is going to work out better than I thought. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Like, I've known you for years and didn't yeah. know. Yeah, I loved them. I'm, I'm, I, am I a huge Vikings fan now? I'm, I root for people. You know what I mean? Nowadays, <laughs> more than their clothes. But, you know. Um, but the other thing I have to say is because I'm a Lions fan, um, you will get no sympathy from me about being disappointed about your team. <laughs> exactly. I give, I give no sympathy because there's only one or two other. There's no other team in the NFL, I think, that is as woeful as a team, <laughs> that's, as a team that has won one playoff game since 1957. So Wait wonderful. a minute. What? I wow. didn't know that. I guess it felt a little bit better about our Vikings, just like with just that one I little. I know. They won, right? they won the championship in 1957. And since 1957, they won one playoff game. It was in 1991. They beat the Dallas Cowboys like 38 to 6. And uh, the Cowboys went on after that to win three straight Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But they went to the NFC Championship that year, lost to the Redskins. But the, the Lions won playoff game since 1957. So, you know. But did oh. you say they won a championship game? No. No, they went won a championship to, they went period to, they, in 1957. So they did win one. They won. They won more than I think they won more than one 57 in Pride. Okay, you're not getting sympathy, dude. I mean, like seriously, <laughs> yeah. we've been there four times. 1957. <laughs> the Super Bowl didn't start until the 60s. The Super Bowl era began in the 60s. That's like that's really like the like an ancient era. It's like the Old Testament of the NFL. You, you know, know what we could throw down right now. We could we have a game can. between the Lions and the Vikings and just see who actually holds that last place. What about mm. it? <clears throat> that could be something. Yes. The pretend Super Bowl. The pretend Super you Bowl. Do have, you do have Kirk Cousins, who is a Michigan State Spartan. So That's true. My wife is a Spartan. Well, I, I like that a lot. And as one of the privileges of being a show host <laughs> is I can change the direction of a conversation you at can. any time. <laughs> and I believe now is the time to do that. Uh, <laughs> That's a skill. <laughs> it is a skill. Yeah, so David, I'm not going to turn it over to you, but I want to talk about a little something we chatted about last time, which lit up the text line, which was when we brought up the idea of labels and how we all have them. And 
it really stimulated a lot of interest and people showed up and sent in their labels. Some, I think there was one, I don't even think there was one positive. I think they were all negative and how you can just carry that around. And I said, after the show, I think we should, we should uh, have a little bit more time on this topic. Well, I agree, Bill, you know, and uh, this is, you know, a beautiful time to dip into this passage out of Galatians chapter two, because you're right. Labels, we, we've all had them. Um, some have been put on us, and as you noted and we read last week, some are good, some are bad, and we talked about things like, you know, gold, silver, and bronze as an Olympic medalist, and we have our own Jesse Duggins from Afton Apps who came home with another cross-country silver. Um, and But also, when we talked about gold, we also talked about terms like people grew up with the golden child, or they experienced being the lost child or the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about how people have experienced, quote, white lies, but they were damaging nonetheless. And we had asked the question to our listening audience, to our listening family, you know, what are the labels that you have and you believe? And like you said, Bill, we had we had a fascinating number of them. And I, and I, I want you to share with, with our audience about that. But one of the things that kind of segued into that was this really heartbreaking story. And I mean, literally, I sat at my my desk in tears because it was Drake Hardman from Toole County, Utah, a 12-year-old who had tragically passed away on February 10th after attempting to take his life. And he had experienced bullying from his classmates. And when he didn't show up for basketball practice, which was really rare for this Utah Jazz fan, his sisters went home and they found him. And they took him to the uh, hospital, and and tragically, he passed away that Thursday morning. And so, um, you know, my heart was hurting because I'm tired of hearing uh, and saddened to hear of kids and our fellow image bearers losing their lives this way. Um, Also because it's part of my testimony of a failed suicide attempt, and my heart still hurts for Andy and Sammy Hardman for losing their their son, their only son, and their two their two daughters who found him, and so mm-hmm. we we opened up the time and and we we asked people like okay what are some labels that people uh, have heard and Bill um, you have a couple of them and you shared a couple of them last week but to catch people up um, because we've all heard them and some of the ones that that you'll share are ones that we've all heard and so what were some of those. Well, one of the ones that came up right away was stupid. So obviously mm-hmm. you had made a mistake of some kind and were referred to as stupid. And several others came in right away that were derogatory towards a body shape. Uh, people were called fat. Um, and so these these kinds of r- remarks are ones that you don't shake quickly. Yeah. And you were saying, you know, we, we've heard that thing, sticks and stones may break my bones the words will never hurt me, and we know that that's a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whoever said that, that was a lie, because words, they do hurt. Mm-hmm. They absolutely hurt, and I think that's where the wisdom, you know, the psalmist who said, or it might have been a Solomon writing, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Mm-hmm. James. I think yeah, it's James. James. I think it's, it's James. James. <laughs> but it's James. you know when, you know, uh, David, when you're saying that, I think of why do words hurt? I think words hurt because usually somebody is looking at you when they're saying it. So you feel this connection through their spirit, through their eyes of 
hatred or dismissal or anger or, you know, whatever the motivation between those hurtful words are. And so when you see somebody speaking that into your eyes, I mean, how great is it to look at Wayne and go, we are so happy you're here. Mm -hmm. And the power of looking at somebody with the truth of your eyes, right, as you're saying the words. So it's, it's so... I think that's why they're so dismissive and they're, or you can't dismiss them very easily because you see the intention behind them. I remember um, a couple of times when I was in my preaching ministry, I asked the congregation, you ever remember a moment when someone said something to you, it was an offhand comment and it like cut your soul, mm-hmm. but they thought nothing of it and they moved on with their day and forgot about it, but you're still wrestling with it. Mm-hmm. And people raise their hand because that that happens. Mm-hmm. And so to David's point, you know, life and death is in the power. You really can elevate people or you can cut people down with the words that you use. Yeah. I'm going to take a little break. Wayne, can you make your voice a little squeakier? Because you're making me sound really bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you can work on it during the break. I'd there appreciate it if right. you don't mind. Yeah, this is an extended version of the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Wayne Stapleton, our special guest. And Rosie B., we're talking about uh, labels. We're also going to the book of Galatians in chapter 2. We're going to study from that. We'll be right back. An extended version. Usually we are joined in this half hour by my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, but he had a son who broke two bones in his wrist on the playground today, so he is racing him to ER, and right now as we speak, he has been put under as they go to reset his bones, so if those are willing to uh, remember him in your prayers, that would be wonderful, but uh, right now... Pastor David Miles and his guest uh, Wayne Stapleton are joining me and Rosie B for an extended version of Monday Afternoon Mix, which I love. And we are uh, looking at labels today and also studying Galatians chapter 2. Yeah, Bill, one of the beautiful things, it's been said that the little book of Galatians has been called the Magna Charta of Christian Liberty. And this is a book in which Paul, the Apostle Paul, reveals how grace frees the Christian from law not that we might sin, but that we might discover a new power for righteous living through faith in the Holy Spirit. And, and I love my very own Pastor Matthew St. John. He made this comment about, uh, about the gospel. He says this, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, obliterates condemnation while forgiving us who believe into a new consecrated beloved community, one new humanity, according to Ephesians 2.15. And so that, that's, that's the text that we come today when we come to opening God's Word, is that this book provides this magna charta of Christian liberty. Because when we open up into you know, Galatians 2.11, we find Paul, the apostle, um, confronting and opposing Peter. And uh, Bill, I, I don't know if you have uh, um, Galatians 2.11 right there, and if you want to read 
uh, the first uh, three verses up to 14 to kind of bring us back up to context. Yeah. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Thank you, Bill. You know what I love about what you just read is that this is actually the context of one of the most well-known scriptures in the Bible, definitely the book of Galatians, which is, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the important thing about us understanding context is because if we don't understand context, we'll be inclined to proof text. And when we don't do proper exegesis, taking from God's word what it says, we can be inclined to do eisegesis and make the gospel say whatever we want it to say. And so we find Peter, Paul coming, and this is no small thing. I mean, like, Paul comes to Antioch and he confronts Cephas, a.k.a. Peter, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. as in Peter on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates shall not prevail against me. So, I mean, like, this is no small issue. And, but it's apparently what's happening is a big enough issue for Paul to say, it doesn't matter that you're the pillar of truth. It doesn't matter who you are. The gospel is at stake here. And I, and I love the reason because scripture is so wonderful. It tells us why. Listen, brothers and sisters, you, we need to be in our word daily because it is so rich and delicious and wonderful. And, and scripture tells tells us what it is, because before certain men came from James, and we're going to read this in the original language, we're going to give the, 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 the actual flow of it. It's saying this, Peter was continually and habitually eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, his Jewish homeboys, he continually and habitually drew back and continually habitually separated himself. Those are imperfect tense verbs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a one and done. This this is, was a, hab- a habitual action. And, and you know, the question is like, hey, why did Peter do that? Oh, the beauty, because the word tells us. What does it say? Fearing the circumcision party. That, that word fearing is from which we get phobos, mm-hmm. for phobia. Mm-hmm. And so Peter was afraid of what his Jewish homeboys coming up from Jerusalem were going to think. And, you know, one of the crazy things is, you know, they're coming from Jerusalem, they're coming to Antioch, and Antioch was a major trade center. It was the third largest city in the world at that time, heavily populated by Greek people. And uh, this is the place that the Christians, this diverse multi-ethnic gathering of Christians in Antioch, it's there that they're first called Christians, that they're, they're actually called Christians. And so you, you see this, this, this fear of his 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 friends and the people coming from Jerusalem and seeing this because Jews and Gentiles didn't hang out together. Mm. Yeah. Talk about racial tension, huh? Yeah, it it does describe racial tension, but I want to more adequ- I want to more appropriately say 
that the word Gentile there is for ethnos, from which we get ethnicity. And mm-hmm. those who, who have listened to us before, Bill, know that, you know, it's from ethnos that we end up into today's word racial, which, you know, contrary to what people have heard on bad news, it is socially constructed. Because yeah, let's when say you, ethnos, yeah, ethnos so, tension. So when we talk about, when we talk, when people say, hey, we're going to have a biblical conversation about race, the first thing I say is that you're not having a biblical conversation because race is not used the way that we use it. There are three words for race in Scripture. There is stadia, from which we get the noun of stadium, 192-meter track. There's traco, which is the verb to run. And both of these are in 1 Corinthians 9, 23 and 24, when Paul's saying about not all runners run the race. And the third one is agon in Hebrews 12, 3, where Paul says, let us run the race course or the race track set before us. So that's the biblical use of the word that we understand race. But when it speaks of ethnos, it's speaking of ethnicity. I like that. Thank you for that, David. Wayne, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I can't dispute what the appearance of the Greek words that PDM just dropped on us. But, you know, one of my challenges when we have that conversation is, is I get the notion that, you know, let's have a biblical conversation. And at the same time, when you're meeting people in their cultural context, they've been affected by racial assumptions and like the falling categories of the world. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time understanding how to engage them in the place where they are without recognizing that kind of impact on their lives. And so, you know, and to say that race doesn't really exist because either it's not a scientific category, we know that. Mm-hmm. It's not a scientific category. Or it's not a biblical category, as we you've seen. There's the, the ethne and at the same time, even biblically, the ethne included people that the Bible takes t- takes great pains to tell us. Like for in Acts 13, we know Simeon is from Niger. Right. We know Lucius is from Cyrene. You know, and so the Bible doesn't shy away from informing us that there are people that are different and different from different places, different social locations, so to speak. And um, that might be the equivalent. But I think that's an interesting point, too, because why... Peter withdrew is kind of a deeper thing and why it was such an offense, which I'd love to hear more about as we Mm -hmm. talk through this. I like that. And I think what we'll do is take a short break and continue that discussion um, after the break because we are doing a slightly extended version of the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B and our special guest, Wayne Stapleton. Awfully nice to have him in studio, even if he sounds more professional than any of us. He does. He does, doesn't he? (laughs) Making me sick. All right, so we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back with lots more.
Welcome back to the show. Glad you're with me today. I always look forward to the Monday afternoon mix. Today we've got a little extended version going on. So we're glad to also welcome into the studio Wayne Stapleton. He's the North American Baptist Conference VP, and cross-cultural engagement and emerging leader, pastor of Renewal Church, vice president of racial righteousness, and a husband and father. And he's got an excellent radio voice. So Pastor David Miles is also an adjunct professor at the University of Northwestern and a pastor over at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And today we're talking about ethnos and we're also talking about labels and Galatians chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 14. But first we're going to let Wayne make an observation as a result of what we were just talking about before break. Well, um, I mentioned that... uh... Um, when people make the statement, well, we want to talk about, you can't talk about race because race isn't a biblical construct or isn't a biblical category. Um, I liken it to the recategorization of Pluto. You know, when Pluto, we've always thought, I grew up with nine planets and Pluto (laughs) being the last one. And then at some point they determined it was no longer a planet. And I remember seeing bumper stickers that said, I miss Pluto, as if Pluto went away. (laughs) It was no longer there. Uh, the reality is Pluto has not gone anywhere. It's just been recategorized. And, I, and my point being is that to pretend as though race has not impacted or, you know, anyone because it's not a biblical category is not to look at people in light of their context. And I think we just heard context earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have a context. And if context didn't matter, then Jesus could have popped out of the Garden of Eden. But God designed for Jesus to be born contextually into a group of people with a history, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, it, it, that's a, that to me is a significant point because we, you can't describe the history of the United States accurately and avoid the notion of race. Yeah. I mean, you can't, and you can't have a conversation about the New Testament without acknowledging this whole issue of Jews and Gentiles, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't have a conversation biblically without having a conversation of Jews and the nation. And so what this passage gets into is the whole subject of division, which brings us back to the point of labels and labels have been used to divide. And if there's any one really major big idea to this passage that we're, that we're looking at today, you know, I would say that this out of all the labels of the world, Two, sinner and justified matter more than all others and is only reconciled or possible in Jesus Christ. So when you look at this Gentile, that word, it it related to any nation outside of the nation of Israel. And so they saw these individuals as second-class citizens because rabbis would get up in the morning and say, I thank God that I'm not a Gentile, a woman, or a dog. And so when we're reading this passage, as Wayne rightfully notes, we're, we're, we're reading a first-century example of Dred Scott and Plessy versus Ferguson, being that those other groups, they were the Dred Scott. They were the Plessy versus Ferguson. They were what Lothrop Stoddard called the Undermen, and the Nazis termed Undermenschen, which meant subhuman that they used to describe uh, the Jews in the uh, 30s and 40s. A, a humble point I want to make here. Uh, one of the things, though, is is that when a person's making the case that 
race is not a valid construct with which to talk about, then you have to ask yourself the question kind of, well, you know, what is the, the lens through which you're looking at the Bible? Mm-hmm. And then we have to remember that all of us see through a mirror darkly and we need each other in each other's context in order to help us fill out what the word is saying. And so we need to respect that. And I think too often we get in these discussions and arguments over what the word is saying because somebody says they possess all of the objective truth about a particular passage and and it's almost like a power play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember giving this small piece of advice and, you know, Rosie might push back on this one, you know, that I, I give to the young ga- guys in my class and I'll say, guys, you know, one day, um, you know, if the Lord leads you to marriage and leads you to the point of having children, can I, can I just help you with one really small thing? Um, in that moment, when that, that new child is born into the world and if it comes naturally, can I just give you a little encouragement not to say to your beloved, oh, that's not pain, you know? <laughs> I've had a paper cut, you know, and, and, and what's the big deal, you know? And and most no people, pushback from me. No pushback. That is that is wisdom, strong, strong wisdom. <laughs> yes, and it's like you know, and 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 if if these guys protest, like, well, you know, honey, you know, I I've never had a baby, and because that's the case, you know, pain's not real. And so one of the dangers, and and that I've seen happen, and when you talk about it in this way, it's like, wow, how unwise. But there are people who often say, well, you know. That's really not racism. That's not really anti-Semitism. That's not really, you know, um, not loving and honoring our sisters in Christ, you know. And so in the same way, we kind of engage into a form of, oh, that's a paper cut. You know, you know, giving birth is not a big deal. And, and that's, you know, that's unwise, you know. And, and I just want to make the case, I'm not saying there is an objective truth. Oh, there is. Yeah. I'm saying we're subjective beings. Mm-hmm. And so we do the best to... S- to, to, to possess it, but at the same time, um, um, the, we, we all have cultural blind spots, and that's why we need others, you know. I mean, we mm-hmm. do the best we can, but we have to hold our positions lightly, not obviously the, the major ones. We know, right? Yeah, you know right. I mean, Jesus is Lord. He was born of a virgin, well, and I think, David, with your example just now, I, I think what it does is it broadens the the playing field because I th- often we come with a very narrow perspective just from our experience. Mm-hmm. So just even your example of saying, what does a shoe fit? How does a shoe fit if you're a woman trying to break the glass ceiling? How does a shoe fit if you were a Jew, you know, in Germany during World War II or even today? You know, how's a, how does a shoe fit if you're in the Ukraine coming up against Russia? Or in Belarus with people saying, we don't want our borders available, right? So there's so many different ways to put on different shoes so that you might have a deeper understanding and can step outside of a very your own very narrow experience realm. Yeah, because we could be inclined to start to like view things in a certain way and like, well, how can you talk about that? We can't understand Esther <laughs> without understanding her her standing in class and being a woman going to talk to the king. At 14 At or 14. 12 or however yeah. old she was. Yeah. We, we can't understand Mary's situation, you know, of, of being, you know, uh, a virgin and finding out, hey, 
you know, we're pregnant. You know, we, we don't understand the dynamics of a Joseph or even a David being the youngest person. So all of these things matter. And that that's what's coming to this passage today, because Paul's like, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the gospel. And we make this point because sometimes people think having conversations about race and ethnicity, that somehow that's not gospel. But the Bible's saying very clearly here that when Paul came, he saw Peter distance himself from the Gentiles so much so that the rest of the Jews acted not orthodoxly. No, the Bible says they acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, there's an issue here because Barnabas and John Mark were from Cyprus, and those were large Gentile communities, meaning these guys grew up around Gentiles. They knew them, but yet the peer pressure was so great Mm -hmm. that you, you almost want to say, not Barney, I mean, not I love you, you love me, we're one big happy family, Barney. But that's the Barney who who steps away. And Paul's like, whoa, when I saw that this was not in step with the gospel, and that word there is euangelion, and that's the same word that Paul uses earlier when he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different euangelion gospel. And then gets used in verse 8, 9, uh, twice in verse 11. And then truth of the gospel is used in 2.5. So, so having these conversations is very much a gospel issue. Because mm-hmm. how do you go make disciples, pasta ethne, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I've commanded you. Now, guys, COVID taught us that we can, we can teach. We can teach via digital and Zoom and online, but baptism is a proximal issue. And how are you going to be baptizing people from all the nations if you're separating yourself from them and saying, you know, we're going to live in a gated community, you know? And so you see, you know, Jesus told the disciples, you know, you're my witnesses to be in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's Acts one eight. And for the first eight chapters, they don't do it. So they get Acts 8.1. There arose a great persecution, and they were scattered. And as they were scattered, they went preaching the gospel. And listen, why does that matter? Because for a select group of people who aren't Sephrahim, Mizraim, Bet, Ethiopian, Coptic, or Ashkenazi Jew, the rest of us, we are Gentiles. And we're only listening to this program and reading the word because God chose to have the gospel brought to us. I just want to say preach hmm. it. That's just Yeah, amazing. I was about to say, <laughs> a lot of smart juice going on in the studio today. <laughs> well, Bill, one of the big things about this, though, is because today what we, we're, getting a lot of, we're getting a lot of heat, or, you know, without light, and a lot of smoke without fire. Mm-hmm. And it's like people are running around, and they're, you know, they're screaming, oh, we can't talk about this issue without realizing this is very much a gospel gospel issue, period. And, and to the point, Paul then confronts Peter and says, hey, Peter, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Because Peter had been with Cornelius. 
And if you read the end of Acts chapter 9, he stayed for a couple of days. So you have Peter doing famous staves. And maybe Peter wasn't eating ribs, but he was at a table that had ribs. (laughs) Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Uh Uh-huh. And so that's the reality of where he's at. Now, for those who think that we shouldn't be even talking about race and ethnicity, how does the Bible address this? It says, but when Peter came to Antioch, Paul opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all. So he made a very public uh, rebuke of a public sin. And for those who are confused, racism is not an idiosyncrasy. It's sin. Anti-Semitism, that's sin. And so we have, we have to keep things, you know, very, very, very on. And, and that's what I mean about keeping things biblical, because people are like, oh, we can't talk about this without realizing that this is such an open door for the gospel. Well said, David Miles. I'm thinking, is it, is it just a hatred in a person's heart that causes all this? That a hatred in a person's heart? Yeah, um, yeah it, it is sin in the heart. Yeah. And it is, you know, a, a desire. <laughs> you know, it's crazy, Bill. I mean, like, we've been saved. The only thing we bring to the table is um, God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Mm-hmm. Christ died for us. So the height of arrogance, and, and Jesus actually points this out in Matthew 18 on the story of the unforgiving servant, is the idea that God forgave us larger than the United States deficit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I say, I can't forgive Rosie because she owes me money from my Happy Meal. I got it right here. I got it right here. Pay up, pay up, Rosie. Yeah, Bill, I think there's a hatred of the heart issue. I also think this issue is related to something even even, even possibly deeper, um, you know, there are cultural assumptions of people and we may or may not admit them, but I, I struggle sometimes because I think people might say, well, I, I, I can't be racist. I don't hate X group of people, but if you see them as suspicious or inferior, you don't have to detect hate in order to categorize them in a way that, that basically getting back to biblical terms reduces or does violence to the Imago Dei mm-hmm. in that person. And and so I always like to catch it when we say, well, is it hatred in a person's heart? Certainly that could be part of it, but I think it can be something else as well. I'm young enough to remember, or old enough is the term, I think. I'm old enough to remember when black men were not thought of as uh, mentally able to be quarterbacks in the NFL. And so there were these unicorns one or two guys, but across the board, African-American men were, like, steered away from that when they were football players because, like, well, you can't handle calling, you know, plays and reading defenses. I don't know that America ever reconciled itself with, you know, its history of what the status was of black people and kind of, you know, officially turned away from that Yeah, mm-hmm. culturally. That's interesting, too. Let me take our last little break. Uh, You're listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix, a little extended version. Awfully glad to have Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and our special guest, Wayne Stapleton. We'll be right back.
We're back with the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles, PDM, Rosie B, and our special guest, Wayne Stapleton. Well, gentlemen and Rosie, we've got uh, some pieces to put in place in our last uh, 10 minutes here together. I think we've been in a couple different directions. And David, I think you've got a quote you want to start us off with. Yeah, I mean, I look forward to coming back to this again. But here's something that's really important to note. Um, Why does Peter withdraw? And the text tells us, it says, fearing the circumcision party. You know, a lot of what we suffer today um, is from the idolatry of man and the fear of man. And what we have to understand Mm -hmm. in this is that this wasn't Peter's first rodeo. This wasn't the first time that Peter succumbs to peer pressure because all four gospels speak of Peter's denying Christ with Matthew and Mark noting that Peter denied so forcefully that he began to invoke a curse on himself and to say, I do not know the man. And so fear is is huge. This this is why why we want to say on the Monday Afternoon Mix, and actually through all of Faith Talk Radio, this is why discipleship is such a huge thing. This is why getting in your word is such a huge thing. This is This is why being exposed to Jesus, because Peter denies Jesus, Jesus restores Peter. Peter then gives the great sermon in Acts chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 4, he says, whether we're to obey God or man, we, we have to testify to what, we, what we've heard. Now we're in Acts chapter 9. God gives Peter a vision. And then out of that, we're in Galatians 2, where Peter's now withdrawing again. And Sherry, Sherry Harder, who's president of the Trinity Forum, noted this. Fear has played a central role in the explosion of conflict within American evangelical churches. Dwelling on fear and outrage is spiritually deforming. Both biblical wisdom and a large body of research holds that fear and grace or fear and gratitude are incompatible. And she quotes 1 John 4.19 that says, perfect love drives out fear. That's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And and that's one of the things I remember someone was sharing that um they had been they had been told in some sort of like fundraising thing that one of the greatest motivators for people raising funds is fear. And we've talked on this show that one of the one of the things that drives our American economy is fear. Fear of not fitting in. Oh, Wayne, I'm sorry. You don't drive a BMW. So you must not be the ultimate man driving the ultimate vehicle. And this is no offense against people who are driving BMWs because they like them. They like the sports. We're just talking about the way that we use our marketing can be used to have fear. Fear of what? In-group, out-group dynamics, which again is what? Division, which is based upon what? Labels. It also drives votes. Oh, yes. On both sides and in the middle. Fascinating book for that. Ian Haney Lopez's book, Dog Whistle Politics, is a fascinating book. And it will, it will reframe your mindset even as you listen to political um, things that are being said and the ways of which, you know, Christ, Christ's bride is, is being, you know, split. And, and I think Dr. Tony Evans says, you know, you know people are trusting in the left wing and the right wing of the of of the thing when the bird is broken, and the truth of it is neither one of those were meant to be so because only the answer is found in Jesus Christ that transcends all of them, 
and and no one party has a corner on God's voice of being God's party, you know. So, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be servant of Christ. And that's going to be our challenge, you know, that as believers. And sometimes that comes down to going to the family event and, you know, hearing people say, well, you know, those people. Or using one of the, I think, Wayne, you were talking about this earlier, one of the, the modern words for raka of you fool from our earlier thing on Sermon on the Mount, one of the strongest words is the N-word. That's translated in every spoken language. Hmm. And so, in coming to America, immigrants knew that they had become American when they learned to use that word. Hmm. And so, what does it mean to not fear man? That means being at the family <clears throat> gathering when other image bearers are disparaged and saying, hey, you know what, time out, that, that doesn't work. I've caught myself doing this both ways um, when I'm with my, I'm an African-American. Um, the people who can see me know that. But um, when I've engaged with people who are also African-American, mm-hmm. I say, well, you know, white people. I'm like, well, yeah, not all white people. <laughs> you know, be careful what you're doing. You know, you don't, you're, don't generalize in ways you wouldn't want to be generalized. And so I think we have to stand for, you know, the, the truth that people need to be, you know, judged based on who they are. And, you know. And, and judged as image bearers. As image bearers. Right. I remember one, right. of, one of the powerful things was hearing the story of a Muslim man who was a missionary in our church when I was in Ohio. And he shared about how he came to Christ. You know how he came to Christ? Hmm. Athletes in action would come over to Kazakhstan and um, Uzbekistan, and they would do summer missions trips with athletes. And one day, and he was a translator, and he was like the country po- boxing champion. And so one day he was in a room and a guy walked in and he was, he was really upset. And he's like, you know, I'm really bothered by what I did. And he's like, you know, I really need, and he said, I need to go ask this sister in Christ for forgiveness. And this gentleman said, well, why would you do that? He goes, because what I said and what I did was wrong. And he was so blown away because in his culture, domestic abuse was a big issue. And you, you never apologized. And for this man, he said, wait a minute, this guy's like, I need to, and spoke about the honor and spoke about Jesus. And it's not what you see as your normal four spiritual laws, but for this brother, that's how he came to faith in Christ. Because another brother in Christ looked at his sister in Christ and said, in this family, we don't live this way. And, And I did wrong. And I need to ask for forgiveness for my attitude and my words and my behavior. And that's the same thing for us, that... That guys in, at home, in workplace, in school, you know, when things are said, as you say, no, no, time out. Do you, you realize that, that that's, that's, that's an image pair? That, that's a daughter of, of, of God. And, and no, we're not going to objectify them and speak in those ways about our sisters in Christ or women, period. It's so encouraging to me as I think of this whole interaction between Paul and Peter and um, all the apostles at the time, because being in relationship with somebody means both loving them and calling them into account in love. But it also is so encouraging to me because there's so much redemption in it. 
Paul, who, you know, gave permission to stone Christians, is here helping, you know, spread the gospel. Peter, who had a general fear of man, a sin that seems like it was persisting, even though God had forgiven him, is still brought into correction and all of it for the love of Christ that lives within within us, because none of it would be possible without Christ living within us, bringing us into wanting more for each other and for the kingdom, for the glory of God. I mean, that's the hope, mm. right? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So good. Rosie, thanks. And Wayne, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. We've loved having you on the mix. This was the fastest hour I've ever spent. No kidding. It Welcome is. to my world. Yeah. <laughs> PDM, thanks as always, Rosie B. We'll... Uh, We'll wrap it up again, and we'll do it next week on the next episode of the Monday Afternoon Mix. Now we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about reclaiming the resurrection. We don't talk about the resurrection. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.